0: Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 18. I'm your host, Scott Davenport. Today's topic is embracing constraints, or what Keith Jarrett taught me about photography. Hi everyone, welcome back. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me today. I'm eager to talk about this topic, embracing constraints because limitations on our photography can be a great catalyst for creativity. If you like today's podcast, please tell a friend, and if you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that would really help out the show. I've been thinking about this topic of constraints for a while. It stems from my impulse, at least earlier on, when going on a photo trip to bring all of my gear so I wouldn't miss the shot. I'd be prepared for anything, And how that became kind of stressful. When I sat down to write the show notes for the episode, I struggled with the title somewhat. Is it about limitations? Is it about constraints? Is this about overpacking? The paradox of choice? Well, I I settled on embracing constraints, as you know, but then Keith Jarrett shows up in the title. And let me explain the Keith Jarrett tie-in, and I promise this does connect back with photography. I've been reading a book by Tim Harford called Messy, the power of disorder to transform our lives. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested in the book. It's an enjoyable read. I haven't yet finished it, but it's already been thought provoking. And the through line of the book is how unexpected things or less than ideal situations, maybe even a little bit of chaos, can lead to discovery, transformation, and creativity. The book begins with a story about Keith Jarrett. He's a jazz pianist, and he's doing an improv concert in Cologne, Germany, in 1975. I didn't know a thing about Keith Jarrett and his music prior to this book, and I've since listened to the pieces from this concert. They're intriguing, even if you're not that much into jazz. But anyway, this uh, this concert in 1975. Maybe you've heard this story, maybe not. I'll put a link in the show notes to a little bit of a longer version of the tale. He is a sought-after musician, Jarrett's known as a perfectionist, very particular about his instruments, and he's requested a very specific piano for this concert. And this concert was organized by a very young jazz enthusiast, a 17-year-old girl, Vera Brandes, made all these arrangements, was able to book Keith Jarrett, a you know, big deal for her. He arrives in Cologne after... Days of travel through Europe, he's sleep-deprived, he's got back pain to boot, it's a few hours before the concert he goes to meet the piano. And it's not the piano he asked for. He's not happy. It's a smaller piano, it won't have the resonance to fill the concert hall, it's sorely out of tune, bass tones are hollow, the upper keys are tinny, the sustain pedals don't work. It's basically an unplayable piano. After a lot of pleading by the young promoter and a lot of work to tune the instrument within some level of acceptability, Jarrett says, alright, I'll play the concert, and the performance is regarded as a classic. As of January of this year, 2020, a clone concert by Jarrett is still the best-selling piano album of all time for a concert that almost didn't happen. And what I find interesting about this is how the constraints of the piano changed Jared's playing style. The bass tones don't resonate, so his left hand is just pounding out pulsating chords to build up a bass presence. The upper keys are jangly, so you don't really hear a lot of high notes. He stays really in the mid-range. In photographic terms, Jared has no shadows. He has no highlights. The story is in the mid-tones. Keith Jarrett finds a way to play an unplayable piano. He knows his craft, he knows the limitations of this particular piano, the constraints of the instrument forced him to change his approach, and this masterpiece emerges. So limitations can spark creativity and push an artist to make great work, and Keith Jarrett taught me that. When I think about constraints in photographic terms, I realize they're everywhere, they're just everywhere. Uh, Let's start with location. There's a few ways we can think about limitations with location. There's geographical, of course. I live in a certain place or I'm visiting a certain place. The location inherently imposes constraints on the subjects that can be photographed. Certain subjects are there, others are not. Certain areas are accessible, others are not. Like I recall there being a A particular hallway uh, walking through the Vatican, I believe it was, where I really wanted to photograph it, but guess what? We couldn't go down there, so no photos in that area. Weather, obvious. Another obvious uh, limitation. Clear skies and harsh light reduce the set of potential photos. Gray skies, they give a different set of limitations. Rain can squash an entire shoot. It could be physical locations. A photo may be physically out of reach, you 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 can't go there because of restrictions like the example I mentioned, or a spot is beyond my physical capability, I can't climb that hill, I can't work my way across that river, I can't scramble over that set of rocks. I've met photographers with other physical limitations limited movement, colorblindness, and I've seen them make great photos. These limitations can fuel a different approach to photography, just like Keith Jarrett played an unplayable piano. A couple of examples, like a dreary gray day. Those are good to make somber, moody photos. I like those days for muted tones or black and whites, maybe minimalist compositions. The grand landscape, it's not gonna be there. It'll be very blah, but there are other photo opportunities. You shift your thinking. Thinking about uh, the physical limitations, I'm reminded of a photographer on one of my San Diego workshops a few years back. We're at one of my favorite beaches. Has some stairs that get down to a certain set of rocks and then you have to kind of traverse the rocks to get angles on the ocean and and beach and so forth. And this photographer was not comfortable with some of the climbing. Offered some other possibilities talked about the surrounding area, and when we reviewed the photos, he had great shots. Surfers coming and going. The wildflowers were out at this time of year, so he's got photos of the blooms covering the hillside that lead down to those stairs, those rocks, that sand, all those things I mentioned. It completely changed the way I look at that particular beach. It opened my eyes to new possibilities. Gear is another constraint. I have a fixed set of gear, a certain number of cameras, a certain number of lenses. That's true for all photographers. Even if you have a vast collection of glass, there's only so much you can bring or carry with you at any given time. Your kit inherently limits the types of photographs you can make. The personal story that first got me thinking about this constraints idea was five or six years ago, uh, driving out to Death Valley, it was just me, the photo gear. And I packed everything. And I mean everything. I had hard cases with every scrap of photo gear I had. I figured I'd be driving, and most of the time I'd be near my car. So, you know, hauling gear around wasn't going to be too much of a problem, and I'd be prepared for everything. And most of that gear I never touched. I overpacked tremendously. I still came away with great photos. So, the smaller kit, if I'd brought a smaller kit, that wouldn't limit my photo success. Bringing a larger kit had some negatives. I was, I was kinda stressed for a lot of the trip. I'd brought all this gear, I wasn't using it. Should I be switching lenses? Was I missing the shot? That's bad enough when we have all the settings on our camera, should I tweak this setting or that setting or try another mode. Couple that with more and more gear choices. Doubt and uncertainty set in hard. The worrying took away some of the enjoyment of the trip. It was the paradox of choice. Having too many choices can lead to the inability to make a choice or the uncertainty that you're happy with the current choice because there's the possibility of this other choice. Too much gear led to too much second-guessing. Over the years, I've settled and simplified on a kit for my still work. It's two camera bodies. Three lenses, you know, the Trinity: 16 to 35, 24 to 70, 70 to 200. That's it. My stress level's way down. That kit works for me, and I'm, I'm a happy guy. I'm sure we could go on and talk about other constraints, post-processing skills, tools, constraints on time. Gosh, you know, how much time do we have to invest in practicing and learning photography? But constraints are everywhere, so we may as well embrace them and look for ways to use them as fuel to spark creativity. I have a list of five ideas, five exercises to help you start training your brain a little to embrace constraints. If you take on one of these as an assignment or have tried one of these in the past, share your thoughts on how it went over at StopDownPodcast.com. So here are five ideas from, I'd say, most obvious to less obvious. The first challenge is just use a single lens, one lens and pick a focal length. It doesn't really matter what it is. Uh, And if you don't have a fixed, like a prime lens, you don't have a prime lens, just fix your zoom at a certain focal length, 35, 50, 72. It doesn't really matter. Just be disciplined, don't change it, and only capture photos at that focal length. It'll force you to move around. It'll force you to explore a scene a little bit more and zoom with your feet. And it'll get you seeing things differently because you will have to physically move around to capture different frames, different uh, just different feels on subjects. The second one is a single aperture. Now, I'll encourage you to choose an aperture that you don't normally photograph with. I did one of these uh, early in the year, I did an F2.8 challenge. I'm not a, a shooter that's you know wide open like that often at all. I'm F8, F11, F16. And I coupled this uh, single aperture with a single lens challenge as well. So I shot uh, did an entire you know walk around shoot with a 50 millimeter at F 2.8. Yeah, it was different. Uh, you know, the the shallow depth of field really changed the way that I was photographing scenes. I was gravitating toward more intimate subjects. You know, doing a I did a couple that were kind of more grand shots, but they they had to have a clear subject that you know had it's you know it was in focus, and other things got very blurry very fast. It was a very different way of shooting. And you know, some of my favorite photos uh, from the last six months came out of that shoot. There's you know, just a couple that I really, I really, really like and they're, um, they're a different type of photo that I wouldn't have otherwise captured. I would have walked right by a particular spot, never taken the camera out before, but forcing myself to say, think in terms of shallow depth of field. It, it opened up um, opportunities. The third idea is a singular subject. It could be a shape. Only photograph circles, triangles, squares. It could be a color, only red things, only blue things, maybe only muted things. Limit your photographs to these things. And if you want to double down, combine it. I'm only going to photograph blue squares. You know, that, that can be a challenge depending on where you are what this type of exercise does is it starts to make you see shapes in the world. It, it's um, it's kind of like this. If you've ever gotten, uh, you get a new car or, or you know, you get a rental car or something like that and it has it has a particular color, like, wow, this is a nice color, I like the color of the car, and I don't know if I've ever really seen many cars of this color, then you get out on the road and suddenly you see them everywhere. You know, you're you're suddenly attuned to the color of uh, this, this new car that you're driving. And you hadn't paid attention before, but it was there all the time. That's what one of these singular subject exercises will do. This, this, I like this one. This one's a fun one because you can do it anywhere, and it can do it on on any particular scale as well. It could be small things. It can be large things. So it's something that something we can do in our homes, just in, you know, without having to. Especially you know, these days, right now, you know, April of uh, April and May of 2020, we're still not really going outside all that much. So this is a good one to do at home. This fourth one, this one we're going to need to wait a little bit until we can get back out in the world. I'll call it See First and Photograph Second. It's related to limits on location. Now, something uh, I hear from many photographers is you know, I love taking landscapes or wildlife, but those subjects are limited where I live. Uh, or I live in a place and there are, you know, some, some good landscape areas. And I've been to all of them many, many times. I've photographed them all. Uh, I'm, and just I'm just running out of subjects. The location is is a limitation for me. I actually suffer from that too. I mean, it's uh, as wonderful as the, the, the beaches of San Diego are. I mean, at this point, I almost know, you know most of the rocks by name. I see photographs from other photographers. I know exactly where it was. I know what angle they were at. And sometimes that can be, you know, um, it... It makes you think, I don't want to go out and photograph that again. So uh, what I'll do is go to local shops. I'll go to local coffee shops, uh, hotels, uh, the lobbies, and they often have photos of the local area. And I'll look at them and can I make a different photo of that? Can I make a better photo than that? It maybe occasionally I find a spot that I think. oh, I've never photographed this place in that particular way. I want to get out there and do it. And then you put your you know, ideas into action. You, know, you would envision something. Go do it. Go get out there and, and make it happen. Uh, another angle on seeing things first and then photographing second is, is try this out. You're going out for a photo shoot. You go to this location. Walk the location first. And I mean no camera. Camera stays, if you're disciplined enough, stays in the bag, never comes out. If you don't trust yourself, you know, leave it hidden in your car or something like that. Walk the entire area that you're going to shoot let's say it's a let's say it's a a, a hike and uh we'll make it we'll make it convenient where it's a loop hike you can like do a loop it's like a 15 minute walk you go walk that entire loop once you've done that or i should say during that listen to that inner voice that one that as you see something goes ooh, there's a photo here and make notes of that then get your camera and go walk the same path again you may have different reactions you may have you know act on those mental notes but the point is the first walk made you see things and you weren't immediately in capture mode you kind of you know relaxed a little bit and were just open to what the scene was going to or is going to provide you that you know it it loosens the constraints of the location in the sense that you may see more And this can be, you know, connected with any of the other things we've talked about so far. Do that with just a single lens or only photographing, you know, squares or things that are naturally framed. You know, you can mix and match and combine these ones. And the fifth and final one is a fixed position shoot. Stand in one place. Now, you're able to turn and pivot so you can, you know, rotate 360, but you cannot take a step forward or backward. Stand in one place and make 10 unique photos from that spot. Like I said, you can turn around, you can look up, you can look down, you can zoom if you want to, but you can't step forward. You can't step backward. Make 10 photos. You've got that 10. Now make 10 more. See what you come up with. And it becomes, uh, my first time I did this, I got to about 12 and I really started to struggle, Uh, but I I did go through it. And it is Interesting how you will start to see photo opportunities even if you'd never change your position. I think you'll find that experience paradoxical and you're boxing yourself in can actually stretch your creative boundaries. One final thought about constraints is, like all things in photography, practicing, 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 knowing our craft is going to make it more seamless when you are faced with a set of constraints. I'll connect this back with Keith Jarrett. He was able to make a musical masterpiece with a severely limited piano. Why? Because he had mastered the fundamentals. He knows music. We need to know photography. We need to know our tools. So when the time comes and we're faced with limitations, we're ready And we can adapt our approach and make some great photos. Big thank you to the supporters on Patreon. These are the folks that have said, yes, I want this podcast to continue. And it's your support that makes it possible for this podcast to exist. If you're interested in learning more about the Patreon community, check the show notes. And there's a support the show button on all pages of StopDownPodcast.com where you can learn more. And that brings this week's episode to an end. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you did, please tell a friend. If you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that really helps out the show. And until next time, my name is Scott Davenport. Have fun.